The Start On Demand. On Demand. Another violent weekend in Winnipeg with two more homicides, bringing the total to 18. Although it's worth noting, after we got off the air, police advised they are now investigating a 19th homicide. How do you tell a friend or colleague, you stink? Is it that simple to just be like Kramer and say, you stink? Or is there a social contract by which we must abide? And toys! We got to play with toys. Thanks to Mastermind Toys visiting us with their summer playlist. And we played a lot. I'm Brett McGarry, alongside Greg Mackling and Loren McNabb. We are Mackling, McGarry and McNabb. And this is the Monday, May 27th podcast for The Start. Mackling, McGarry, and McNabb, here's what it sounded like Saturday morning, just outside Polo Park. I tried to get the video to start, just as the concussion blasts were fired by Three's, Archangel. Three successive concussion blasts. What's a concussion blast? Oh! Oh, oh okay. Oh. But this is one of my favorite parts. Right at the beginning of the procession, there were two uh, Winnipeg police motorcycles and then this old cruiser car from, like, the 50s, I guess? Maybe the 60s, I don't know. Cool. Uh, but that's, that's uh, the siren is coming from that car. So 15, 1,547 bikes rolling out to Assiniboia Downs. A record, a record breaker, break. right? Yeah. Record breaker, yeah. They didn't quite break their record for funds, but they still raised $300,000. So they raised almost $2.5 million in 11 years. And one individual is responsible for $160,000 of that. My now friend, Tony Kuziak, who uh, was riding right at the very front along with Abby Kahn, our good friend Doug Brown at the front of the line to get things uh, kicked off on Saturday. It was an amazing event, incredible to witness uh, the, the start of it. Is uh, It's a real honor to be a part of it, Brett. Yeah, I love going to this event and good for everyone involved for fighting back against prostate cancer. And then I was happy to see as I transitioned over to Lockport to Skinner's for their 90th anniversary celebrations, I was at the River Road location and I bet you two dozen participants from Ride for Dad stopped by at Skinner's. Uh, they made their way to Gimli and then they came by for a hot dog after. Uh, so it was cool to see some of the bikes there. So that was fun. I was at River Road on Saturday and then Kathy Kennedy was at the Highway 44 location on Sunday. Tough assignment. Yes. Hey, uh, Brett and Kathy, can you guys go eat hot dogs in uh, beautiful Lockport this weekend? Do you have any stats on that? How many did you have? I only had one. I had one double dog with bacon and cheese. Ooh, and did you put ketchup? I started, they don't actually put ketchup on the dogs. They put it on the side. Right. So I started without, and I ended up putting the ketchup mm-hmm. on. Because I, I, I like the ketchup. I'm not going to apologize for it. I like the ketchup on the hot dog. Eat your hot dog however you want. Uh, and then yesterday was a teddy bears picnic, and one of the acts was a... Uh, was, uh, a duo, two twin fiddlers called Double the Trouble. They were playing with their dad. And then they started doing this. This is the uh, the Game of Thrones theme. Oh, cool. Which was really neat to hear. And kudos to them because it was cold when they were performing. And I would imagine any Fingers, instrument with strings yes. yeah. would be tough. It was three different seasons yesterday. Yeah. We had winter... Spring, spring, fall, and summer. By the time the end of the day rolled around, when the sunshine was out, it was really warm yesterday afternoon after around 2.30. So they had the 
full gamut of weather yesterday at the Teddy Bears picnic. 35,000 people wow. attending yesterday. So, uh, Well, you always know it's going to be rainy for the Teddy Bears picnic, but yesterday was fun because just as we were leaving, it was nice out. And I was like, of course, now that we've already been here and froze our batuskis off, whatever that word is <laughs> that I just made up. Well, we want to thank nice everyone now. who stopped by Psychology Manitoba's Worry Bear Tent and our good friend, Dr. Rahman Abdulrahman and our uh, and our friends at Psychology Manitoba. It was an outstanding event and a great way for uh, the little ones to start thinking about and talking about the emotional their emotional health and their and their feelings about things and and how to express that. Yeah, the worry clouds and the worry bears and getting it was cool too the way to, to see the team from Clinic Psychology tell, they would round the kids up and tell a story. Mm-hmm. Uh, so that's how they get the kids engaged in that cuz how do you tell ta- I I would have no idea how to talk to a 5-year-old. So do you know what anxiety is? Mm-hmm. I, but like, if no you think idea. about it this way, kids have been bringing their bears to that picnic or whatever their stuffed animals are for years and getting all the same conversation we've been having about getting their arms fixed or their legs fixed in the fake casts and stuff. And so it was just adding to the conversation. And so they bring the bear over and be like, anything troubling your bear today? And you, the kids, some of the kids were like, yeah, he doesn't know where he's going to eat next or he hurt his tail and his feelings are hurt because he couldn't play with his friends. And they were talking about their bear, but maybe they were talking about something else. And so the concept of taking your worries that hang over you and fi- helping kids find ways to get rid of them was go- was really cool. To Come- shrink the worry clouds. We want to start this half hour with something that you just heard about in Global News at 630. Yeah, you had Jeff Braun talking about a police investigation now underway on Alfred Avenue. The forensic unit is on scene there. We don't have any further details as to what may have brought police to that area, but we'll let you know as soon as we get them. What we do know right now is that it's been a busy few days for officers, and let's be fair, a busy, busy few months, if not a crazy year for them. Three stabbings and two homicides over the weekend. The first happened in Fort Richmond in a home in that neighborhood Friday afternoon. The second on Simcoe Street Saturday morning. They are homicide number 17 and 18, keeping in mind that Winnipeg had 22 in all of last year. And they have every right to be concerned when they hear these numbers. And I think this is going to be a topic for the next week. Uh, people are going to have that you hear that there was another homicide. It's unfortunate that we're at 18 so far. It causes a number of people to feel unease to hear that number. And I guess our message for them is that we feel that there's a direct correlation to, to the methamphetamine crisis that is driving this number to be higher than normal. That was Constable Jay Murray with the Winnipeg Police Service. We know meth has been a huge problem in our city for a while now. We had the police union on last week, Greg, talking about how the, you know he feels officers are really taxed and that officers have seen more assaults on on uh, them and on their on their people, and so they're greatly concerned. Uh, even that incident on Nairn last week, and we say this all the time, it's not just, you know, about um, being in the wrong place at the wrong time. There's all sorts of things happening that are related to meth, which cause huge problems, even if it's just a traffic incident. So you had that incident on Nairn last week, which saw a man barricaded himself inside a home with three other adults, and they were trapped with him for hours. Well, that was allegedly the end result of a meth-fueled crime spree. You know, anecdotally, from what I've seen and in speaking with other officers, Officers, we feel that um, this summer is going to be unlike any other summer. So, I mean, we don't know what the future can bring, um, but um, based on what we've seen, there's certainly a, a, the methamphetamine crisis has, has increased the, the demands on police resources and significantly too. So, um, we've had a number of incidents. There's been an increase in homicides this year. 
Um, there's been an increase in officer-involved shootings, the use of force incidents that we've talked about, um, and just these, these unusual, bizarre incidents that seem to be happening at an increasing frequency. And, and I think a lot of that can be um, correlated to the to the methamphetamine crisis. So it's, you know, that the, my chief has stand up, stood up here before, our inspector in charge of our drug division has stood up here, and, and we talk about how we're going to need a commitment from all levels of the community, all levels of government, and, and um, this isn't something we're going to rest our way out of, is a term that we've used up here before. So um, we need collaboration from all community partners to, to combat this crisis. Meth, there it is. You know, uh, there are certain... <laughs> Certain people in charge in our city and our province who refuse to use the terminology crisis. We've been talking about this for months. We could have been talking about it for months before that. This is something that seems to have somehow, and there's a little bit of sarcasm in my voice, snuck up on certain people that make decisions, key decisions in terms of uh, resources for health care, key resources in terms of our ability to fight this on the street, at a street level with our police officers. And until there's a genuine acknowledgement that we're in a crisis mode here, I don't see this getting better anytime soon. Well, do you think they've acknowledged it with that task force that was launched six months ago, to which a, we're still waiting for... Results? Recommendations? Sure, sure. That's a gentle acknowledgement. There's no action coming out of that. You can acknowledge all sorts of things. You can acknowledge that you're a rotten person and, and don't do the right things in your life. But until you turn that around, until you change it, it's just it's just talk. And that's all we've had, really, to a great extent so far, is a whole lot of talk, a little bit of acknowledgement, but very little action that would genuinely acknowledge that we are in the middle of a crisis. And if we need to have a record year of homicides and record crime in order for certain people to recognize that, I think that's really sad. Yeah, and there were three other incidents as well that police released on just on Saturday. Mm -hmm. There was a stabbing on uh, Charles Street. There was an aggravated assault in the area of Salter and Selkirk. And then there was a third incident here uh, that police are dubbing as an assault of a police officer because a car uh, was stolen in Portage La Prairie. This was on May 23rd, sometime between May 23rd and May 24th. So that was late last week. And then uh, Friday night, Police track this vehicle down near Salter and Boyd. Vehicle proceeds to ram the police vehicle's front bumper guard and eventually a suspect taken into custody. And what was in, what did the driver have in possession but 18 grams of methamphetamine? There so you go. This is the word crisis. I don't think it's hyper, hyperbole to use that word. You've been hearing in the news with Jeff about the two homicides that took place Friday and Saturday. There were three stabbings. And then there was another possible assault on police with a man facing a number of charges after he allegedly rammed a stolen car into a police cruiser. During that arrest, police say they found 18 grams of meth, about $1,800 worth. Sorry. You know, anecdotally, from what I've seen and in speaking with other officers, we feel that um, this summer is going to be unlike any other summer. So, I mean, we don't know what the future can bring, um, but um, based on what we've seen, there's certainly a, a, the methamphetamine crisis has, has increased the, the demands on police resources and significantly, too. We know that to be true. We we talk about it, I would say, daily now. There's an incident in Winnipeg where they either is the link is meth or it's believed to be meth or suspected meth use uh, when it comes to the homicide number in Winnipeg. So, so far this year, we've seen 18. This city didn't hit that number until November of last year. So if you take a look at the trend, we're on pace to certainly uh, well 
surpass what was the record, Greg, from a few years 41. ago? Forty-one. Forty-one. Uh, if you uh, extrapolate our numbers right now, uh, we would be on pace for about forty-seven homicides in Winnipeg in twenty nineteen. And you've heard police say it before, but here's Constable Jay Murray again to tell us that you know it can't just be about the policing; they cannot arrest their way out of this meth crisis. Our service is really driven by data. We have a team of crime analysis who take data that is reported. So if somebody notices a house that they think drugs are being dealed from, um, if they think that uh, a house is a hotspot for gang activity, you can make that report online now. That report's going to go to our crime analysis, and that's going to help us direct resources to those those houses. So when I want to say vigilant, I don't mean it in a physical way, but just be aware of your surroundings. If something doesn't feel right in your neighborhood, report it. There's a number of reporting mechanisms that you can do online and, and help us become aware of these residences that are causing problems. I know I had an issue uh, with one of my rental properties. One of the neighbors was very clearly doing illegal deals out of their house and I contacted uh, the province about that and they investigated and they did an outstanding job of putting together a case and they got the people out of that house. Really? Yeah, there's a there's a neighborhood livability standard law in our province and they take it very seriously. You can't get action without demanding it, without asking and I, I had to be fairly persistent but the cooperation was there, and if you're prepared to to be vigilant and to uh, be aware of what's going on in your neighborhood, did it lead to, make to an arrest? Do you know that? I don't right. know because that's the thing. I, I hear what you're saying because then you at least get rid of the problem in that neighborhood. However, you don't necessarily get rid of the problem, and so you also want to be contributing to the idea that you can say, "Here's here's the evidence," or "Here's what I know," and then if that leads to an arrest, then you at least get that person. Off the street. You all. Uh, I agree with you, but on the flip side, it's about livability mm-hmm. and it's about the idea that we feel trapped in our own homes and there's nothing that we can do about it. And I think the message, from my point of view, is to worry about what's going on your block, what's going on next door, across the street, and then police and all the other levels of government involved can understand how serious the problem is. Because if we've got a backlog of these requests Mm -hmm. for surveillance that community members are taking action and saying, this is a problem for me, well, then perhaps more resources can be be created and uh, transferred uh, to this situation. I'm still not convinced that everyone is on board here. Well, I'm worried we're at the phase where a year ago, I remember thinking, meth, oh, like that, like, why is this a problem in the city? And now it's a year later and you hear it daily and you kind of shrug your shoulders, go, huh, bet that was meth. And well, then you just keep walking on like it, like that's okay. We're okay with that. Can we confess that, that, that we were guilty of that even here? Absolutely. At CJOB when yeah. we were having conversations about it, the fact that, oh, yeah, is that really a big deal? Is well, that something people are going to be interested in? That whole conversation. Well, here we are. Uh, it is potentially going to be... Um, a summer unlike we've ever seen before as it pertains to crime in, in our city. I want to continue an important conversation we began earlier today. How do you tell a coworker or a friend, you stink? Jeff Braun is here. Cam Poitras is here. <laughs> Jeff Forte is here. This is an intervention, by the way. Barricade the door. <laughs> Gentlemen, we have something to tell you. I go you. through a thing, a speed stick every week. <laughs> and uh, Jeff Forte, there's a reason why you work behind that glass panel. I can by the stick way. as much as I want, and it doesn't matter. <laughs> <laughs> so, what do you do? 
What do you do? If say, have any of you ever had, say, a coworker who had a, whether it was a halitosis or a body odor issue? What do you do? Uh, I'm sure there have been some stinky coworkers over the years. I would never tell them that. No? Really? No. Friend or family, sure. Coworker, nope. But I would never say anything ever about any of that kind of stuff. I would keep it to myself. I wouldn't want to embarrass the other person. Uh, yeah, I just, I would never, ever say anything. Would you complain to others behind their back about them? Uh, yeah, probably. <laughs> <laughs> but what if you found out you were having a similar problem and nobody cared enough to tell you? I would like would to know. About it? I would like to know just because, like, I don't want to be the smelly guy in the room. We'd all say we'd like to know, but then someone comes up to you and says, like, you've been stinking for years. I don't know how we'd appreciate Like, you say you want to hear it, and then someone says it to you, and then your feelings are really hurt, or you think, that, oh, has that person been talking behind my back for since, like, 1995? Yes. I scrub my tongue in the shower every Every morning, I brush my teeth in the shower, and it's part of my routine. I scrub my tongue. About 20 years ago, a friend of mine told me about this uh, woman that he had been involved with and how she had this issue with her breath and how I think it's on her tongue and whatnot. And I'm still convinced to this day, because I think about it probably three out of every five days that I'm scrubbing my tongue, <laughs> that he was talking about me. And that was his way of letting me know, Mackling, you need to scrub your tongue. Really? Yes. And oh. it was very tactful, and it worked for me. How close are you getting to this guy that he can we you're were, breathing on him? We were very close. Okay. We were very tight. <laughs> Shared an office sometimes. Close talkers? Yeah. No, we were just, we were good friends. Well, and that's the that difference, too, way. depending on your workspace. If you're, like, if you're in a vehicle with someone a lot, and that's yep. the case, or, you know, you work in a confined, like, this studio is pretty small, so if one of us did... I think you'd notice it right away if someone had a body odor issue, right? Yeah. And then you have to think you have to sit there for four hours. I think you'd have to say something. Otherwise, it becomes unbearable. I, do get, I get concerned about foot odor. That's about it. Well, why don't you just, like smell it on yourself? Like if I, if I have like well, a you always think yeah. that. I How can that person not smell it on themselves? No, but often... I do. Like if I have it, like, I can smell it. You know but you, like, you won't have an A-plus nose your entire life there, Sonny. Okay, well, then when, I'm, when <laughs> I get an 80, I don't have to get someone else to Your nose will get me. worse and your body will start stinking more, and that's when the problem comes in. <laughs> well, it's sometimes, too, with the pits, right? Because you're, you're generally, you're, they're closed. Mm-hmm. It's not like often where you're walking around like a bird. Flapping your wings. <laughs> <laughs> so, get some air in there. Yeah, yeah, like I'll get home sometimes after a really long day, and yeah. then I'll take my shirt off and I'll kind of go up... Whoa. Whoa. Hopefully yeah. that wasn't uh, too offensive for people who you are around You took your shirt off, right? Yeah. And then you noticed it. I'm just looking at an article right here from Reader's Digest Health. This is why you can't smell yourself. Not being able to smell when you have B.O. is actually a good thing. I don't know why it's a good thing, but essentially it says that in order for you to realize that you do, you have to take your clothes off and smell your clothes. First, okay. you won't notice it on your person. It's just the way. And we've had Dr. Cates on to talk about uh, the bad breath thing, yeah. and he says it's impossible. He says you have to lick your hand mm-hmm. and then smell the, where you've right. licked Lots your hand. Right, lots of people just like blow into their hands, but that's smell, not doing it. It doesn't work. It's not going to oh, work. Gross. Yeah, it, watching it, it Jeff gross. lick his own it's hand. All, it's all gross. <laughs> <laughs> ah, I don't know. It's a hard, that's a hard one to have. Like I've definitely worked with people who've had, you know, that smell when you, um, wash your clothes and you don't put your clothes in the dryer right away. And they get yeah, that sour scent. And they get scent, that yeah. like sour smell. And so I had a coworker years ago. Like all the time, chronically? All the time. It was like a thing. Like oh. his clothes just had that smell on them. And he, 
And this was a person who shower, clearly showered, like they'd come in with their hair wet, like it wasn't like they yeah. weren't didn't have good hygiene in the body, but the clothes were so awful. And it was years of it. And I every time I'd smell it, I'd be like, I really need to say something here, but I didn't know. Like, so, you know, can I give you some washing tips? Like, I didn't know what to do. Tide's on sale this week. Yeah, but it wasn't that. Like, it was like they, it's like, you know, when you live in an apartment building, I, I was imagining a scenario where they just kept forgetting to go get their clothes. Yeah, yeah. And yeah. they forget them overnight, then they'd toss them in the, sh- in the dryer, and then the dry smell. But you like, can always, I, again, that's like, I can always smell that. Like, I've had a shirt before that I've, you know, I was in a rush or something, put it on, and then the whole day. You're like, I this would, I could smell so it, gross. And it just was, like, humiliating for me that I would have to wear this, and I'd run home after work yeah. and stuff like and that. And you'd have to acknowledge. Like, yeah, hey, but by the way, I know I got this stink going on. <laughs> I just, you, just, you just pray nobody can smell it. I won't it. have the stink tomorrow, but I know I stink right yeah. now. Like I, I, I forgot was, to put deodorant on the other day, uh-huh. and I had to stop at 7-Eleven yes, and pay and you $13 buy, exactly. for a stick exactly. of men's Exactly, I've totally stick. been there. And it was, of course, the little travel one. It wasn't $13, yeah. but it might as well have been. <clears throat> yeah, we got a text from Eve earlier who said, I had a teacher in high school who had terrible body odor issues and halitosis. Double trouble there. Nobody would dare ask him to clarify a question because your eyes would be watering oh my God. when he would come in close to answer it. So that would be horrible. And I often wonder, too, like yesterday I, uh, or Saturday, I pulled out uh, my CJOB 68 T-shirt that we wore like for a go-kart race like 15 years ago, yeah. Jeff. And it still fits. I still, like, I wore it every patio when we did Patio Palooza mm-hmm. a couple of years ago. It's like an old, an old school CJOB shirt that says Manitoba's Information Superstation. Uh, and it, I, it had been washed in the last two months, but it had been in my closet for those two months. And it has that, like, musty cabin smell, mm-hmm. you know, when clothes sit mm-hmm. f- stagnant for too long. So even that I worry about. Thankfully, it was outside in the open air. But if I had to wear that in here, I would be concerned if it would be over, if it would be offensive to you guys. So, so you got the teeth situation too? Or you got a friend food or co-worker teeth? food yeah. in the teeth? Or what about, oh man... I'm not going to use her name here, but uh, it was about three days in working not. with somebody, and I said, uh, you got puppies in the doghouse. What? Oh. I go, puppies like in the doghouse. Oh. And she marched off. She didn't talk to me for a week. Really? Finally, I emailed her, and I said, what's the deal? She goes, well, I was really embarrassed. I said, I didn't want you to be embarrassed. You work for the vice president. For crying out loud, I didn't want you to go into his office. And eventually, after a couple of drinks one night, she thanked me. But she was genuinely embarrassed, and I don't think she was upset as much as she was embarrassed. How do you handle that? Is, is it you just gotta go in and say, "Well, you, you know, got something they in your nose." Know. Like, I think they have to. I, it, I see the point if it's in front of other people. No, like, and it was. I right. was very discreet. Yeah. So, but if you just kind of go over and just kind of give somebody a little signal to their nose or like point to their teeth or something, that's way easier than you stink. That's just oh, a, yeah. Because that's just a thing. You oh, can't, yeah. like, everybody has things that get stuck in their face or well, their body parts. Can you just do the uh, hand motion with that, too, and just pinch your nose and just go <laughs> point at them, wave in front of them? No, that's not going to work? No. Let us know at 204-780-6868. How have you dealt with this? Has anybody ever told you you stink, and how did you deal with that? Or did you have a stinky friend or coworker, and what did you do to help them out? Or maybe it wasn't stink, maybe they had something in their teeth, maybe they had puppies in the doghouse, which is a term I learned through you, Greg. I didn't. When you first said that, I thought, what? What is that? I was talking about like somebody being pregnant, asking if someone's pregnant. <laughs> That's puppies? what I thought it was. <laughs> What's that smell? What, what smell? Ooh. You stink. <laughs> what, what, what do you mean I stink? You stink. Why don't you go take a shower? <laughs> 
there. Simple. Just like that. You stink. Yeah, but only Kramer can get away with that because he doesn't care what other people think about him. And I think that's the line drawn for him and for many people. Yep. So we've been having a conversation this morning about how do you tell someone they stink, whether it's body odor, whether it's halitosis, maybe you just don't like their perfume or their cologne or their Axe body spray or, or lack thereof. Whatever they're wearing, their clothes. Loren, you were talking about someone who, uh, you know, they, they do their lot, they wash their clothes, mm-hmm. but they don't dry them quickly right away. Enough. And you get that gross, musty smell. I, like you forget, yeah. you forget the load in the dryer and you decide you're still or in the wash and you decide, ah, I'll just chuck it in the dryer. It's fine. It gives off a stink. And so I, I did work with someone years ago who carried that smell often. So we have a civility expert in studio with us. She is also an author. Her website, poweredbyjessica.com. Her name is Jessica LaRusso, joining us live on The Start. Jessica, good morning to you. Good morning to you, too. It's so nice to see you again. Nice to see you as well. So what do you do? Kramer's approach. You stink. Oh, poor Kramer. I um, I really don't think that uh, Kramer uh, believes that he, that he just doesn't care about people think of him. I think we all care about what people think of us. I just think that he lacks the filter, but also he lacks something called social intelligence, which means we uh, lack of social radar, reading the room, lack of uh, the knowledge protocols, which we'll talk about today, of how to stink and um, just knowledge about everything and... and um, and uh, just how to deal with things. So I think he he really does feel about things, but unfortunately, he really doesn't know how to articulate it at all. I wonder if there's a difference. There are friendships where you can potentially get away with that. You stink. Or you stink in this moment because you just came from the backyard and you've been raking or, you know, like those kinds of things. And I think you can just say, hey, like, get get in the shower. But but what we're... What we often find ourselves confronted in or worried about ourselves is that you might have a chronic problem. And then how do you deal with that person who day after day is maybe coming into the office or your shop or your classroom or whatever? Exactly. Well, there's two things at hand. We're talking about one is friends and then that you know someone uh, day to day. And the other is the workplace. So if if you're looking at a friend... And uh, you you know each other well and and you feel comfortable with them. Just think of yourself. Would you like to uh, know that you're walking around um, smelling a little bit ripe, I guess you would say? Research shows that we really can't smell ourselves, but we can smell other people. And that goes back to our limbic brain. But that's a different conversation in itself. But... You know, you're a friend. You don't want to be in that position. You can have a quiet conversation that says, you know, I, I you might want to consider, um, you know, you smell it a little bit ripe. You might want to consider it might be a health problem. It might be something. And then they'll ask questions because you have that kind of relationship. Showing somebody a mint or a Listerine strip or hinting at something really might not get that get that they might not get that hint because of the lack of social intelligence and i'm using air quotes of course um so you really have to say it quietly privately um to a friend however in the workplace that's a completely different story and in the workplace you got to look at the policies first and unless you know the person for a long long time you can have a quiet conversation very private um, very sensitively about being a little ripe. So you'd say, um, you know, I don't know if you know this. It might be uh, because of health. You, uh, from time to time, you do smell a little, little bit ripe. And I know that you would want to know this information because I know that I wouldn't, I wouldn't want to uh, 
deal with that. However, oh, sorry. Well, you mentioned the policy. Is it is it that in in a workplace, like I shouldn't actually be doing that with my coworker? I should take it to the boss. It, well, that's the next step. So the next step is that uh, because we have a diverse workforce, there's lots of newcomers coming to Canada. We really have to watch uh, what we're saying, what we're doing, because we don't want to uh, have them uh, feel that we are picking on them or harassing them, nor do we want a case. So protocol would be that you're talking to HR, and if you don't have an HR department, then you're going to talk to um, the owner or the boss, the person in charge about the issue. They're going to review their policies, and then they'll probably have the smartest way. And because if, you know, from conversations before, I've been an entrepreneur. And really, as a as the boss of, of all these people, you want to have a nice, very professional conversation with people. See, I would have an easier an easier time having this conversation as a boss, as a manager. Uh, one of my jobs in the past was to, and, and this was diff- awkward, was to tell a woman had to tell them that they were dressed, dressed inappropriately at times. Yeah. But because you're coming from it, from a business point of view, and you've got policies to back you up and some things that you can point to that aren't necessarily your decision or are your decision because you are affecting our ability to, to make money or yeah. to offend a, a customer. I would have an easier time, even as you were outlining that quiet conversation with a friend, I know I would want, I, I, my, I, my back is tightening up and I'm like, I, I, don't, I, I don't think I can do it. I you, really you just, don't. I just really the, but, don't. Okay, so if you want to talk about civility, civility is responsibility, civility is restraint, and res, uh, civility is respect. I know. And just think of yourself. Would you, knowing, if you didn't know and you're walking around and you're smelling a little bit ripe or you have something in your teeth or, or you have, know. you know, your mascara is running or whatever you do, um, just think about how that person would feel. Wouldn't you feel horrible if someone didn't discreetly tell you that you had, you know, something on your shoe or something on your face, you know, you would like it. So when you think of, think of things like that, think of the empathy, think of the kindness, you would just have that quiet conversation and say, there's something in your teeth or there's something going on and, and just look after it. And they'll, they'll thank you for it. Jessica LaRusso is our guest, a civility expert and author. She actually has a new book coming out, and we'll tell you about that in a moment as we talk about telling people they stink and how to do it (laughs) in a way that doesn't ruin lives. It doesn't involve, hey, you stink. Mackling McGarry McNabb talking about how do you tell someone you stink. Jessica LaRusso is here to help us guide through those murky waters. She is a civility expert. She is an author. you got a book, a new book coming out. Yes. You've already written two. Yes. What's the third one? The third one is The Faces of Civility. is actually up on Amazon right now, Amazon.com. It is an international book, uh, stories of different views of civility from uh, different authors, of uh, uh, Dr. Clive Rivers, Dr. Lou Bear. Uh, she's from Winnipeg here. And of course, you know, you're smiling. We know her. Yep. There's um, Melinda Skokel. She is a financial advisor in Inwood because I was talking to her the other other day. So there's someone who's actually here in Winnipeg other than Ona um Dr. Ona, there's Dr. Linda Laura, and those people are in the States, and there's a few people in Africa as well. And I'm sorry, and I need to apologize that I do not know which country they're from, but there's uh, Dr. Safi, Laura, 
Ollewald as well. So this book is going to be absolutely amazing. My chapter particularly is about credibility, of course, and reputation. And it talks about how civility really um, uh, affects or impacts your credibility and and your reputation as well. What do you mean by that? Okay, so... Um, how civility impacts reputation or, or credibility or cre- well, you credibility. Well, when you use the word civility, like what, what's the expectation when, I, when you're looking towards that goal, right? So when, uh, earlier I had said, early in the interview, I had said civility, Dr. Forney's definition, mm-hmm. is three words. And this is the simplest. Uh, respect, uh, rep, uh, responsibility, and, um, and um, uh, responsibility, respect, and restraint. Okay, having boundaries, having a filter, knowing that you can't uh, shout at people. Um, So when we talk about civility, when we talk about reputation, being kind, being nice, uh, honoring people, that affects all of that particular piece affects, can affect your credibility, can Mm -hmm. affect how you want to deal with me. When we talk about credibility, we're talking about really trust uh, amongst other other things as well, and integrity. Exa- I can go on and on and on, but we don't have all day. There's lots of different ways to yes. measure those things, and I'm reading a book right now that talks about being a better manager and a better question asker and, and uh, different sort of aspects of interpersonal relationships. And one of the stories that stuck out from that for me was uh, one of the bosses that talks about when they're interviewing someone, they walk out, walk them out to their car to see if they wash their car, how they keep the inside of their car, oh, because if they're, yeah. going to, be fired right yeah, now. if they're going to entrust you with uh, being the and face yeah. and voice yeah. or other of their company, how are they going to, you know, you can, you can show up one time yeah. with looking like a million bucks, but as Chris Rock always said, when you go out on a first date with me, that is the best version, the best representative <laughs> of myself that you are ever going to see and ever going to meet. So there are different ways to approach that and measure that and to try and get ahead of that curve. Oh, absolutely. You have to remember, I always remember this story about many years ago, I don't know where, where it came from or who, who quoted it, but anyways, the story is, is that Prince, of, of course, a musician, Um, He dated Carmen Electra years ago. And one of the things, one of the pieces of advice that he gave Carmen Electra was, whenever you're leaving your house, remember, you are performing. Because you will never know who you're going to meet, when that opportunity is going to come. We, we hear all the time you have one chance to make a first impression. And guess what? Each and every time you're making an impression. We have a relationship before because I've been on your show and thank you very much. Uh, but still, again, I'm here. I have to show you the same respect, the same responsibility. So I know we can talk for hours, but of course, we got to get back to work. So thank you so much. Jessica LaRusso, civility expert, powered by Jessica.com. Another adventure for a pair of Winnipeggers happened over the weekend. Here's the intro for one of said Winnipeggers. Ladies and gentlemen, this is your main event of the evening. Special four call with a 60-minute time limit. Approaching the first from Winnipeg, Manitoba, Canada. Weight 225 pounds. Eight is the Alpha Chris Chilicon! I recognize the song in the background. 
Judas by Fozzy. That's the mm. song that we open the start with at 6.06 every morning here on 680 CJOB. And this was the main event for the first event in All Elite Wrestling, which happened in Las Vegas, MGM Grand Garden Arena. That's in Vegas, right? You got it, man. Okay, I'm just making sure that MGM Grand Garden isn't some other <laughs> arena in, in like New, New Jersey New or well something. Garden State, that would make sense that yeah. you would question that. Yes, in Las Vegas, their premier card, they're going to be having a regular show on TNT uh, starting in the fall, I believe. And this was their way of kicking off their production. But as we've discussed in the past, Winnipegers at the forefront of wrestling entertainment these days. Points for trying to good old JR on Winnipegians. <laughs> he can call Winnipeggers whatever he wants. I was just happy to hear JR's voice again. He's one of the all-time great wrestling broadcasters. But yeah, how exciting is it that two Winnipegians are headlining this event. The two basically they're the two biggest wrestlers on planet Earth right now. I like how they say Winnipeg, Manitoba, Canada. Like you would never say like Las Vegas, Nevada, United States of America. <laughs> that's true. But I get it, but I get it. Like it's a, that's the difference there, but it, it's still uh, such a good shout out to us Winnipegians. And if you were listening to The Shift with Drex overnight, he spent a lot of time talking about this wrestling promotion uh, in the 5 o'clock hour. They were replaying some of what he did overnight. Uh, but this is pretty exciting stuff, and they, they've got a lot of backing for this new promotion, and they're, of course, setting their sights on Vince McMahon and World Wrestling Entertainment to try to usurp WWE as the top dog in wrestling. And with Omega and Jericho behind it, they, they have a good chance, I think, of doing it because those guys are huge stars around the world, uh, particularly in Japan, mm-hmm. where they headlined that event last. It was January 2018, I believe, That's Alpha right. versus Omega. This is essentially a rematch of that match. Chris Jericho prevailing in the initial match and the feature match uh, last night on pay-per-view and uh, Jericho apparently debuting a brand new finishing move. Oh. It's called the Judas Effect. <laughs> oh, nice. Yes, it's a spinning back elbow that produced the one, two, three. And then uh, is it John Moxley yep. that uh, showed up and uh, sort of uh, got things worked into a f- uh, fever as well in the crowd? Uh, this is setting up all sorts of other uh, branch storylines as uh, this uh, AEW, All Elite Wrestling, kicks off. And made its debut last night, pay-per-view, and in Las Vegas. And led by two Winnipeggers, Chris Jericho and Kenny Omega. Mackling, McGarry, and McNabb, the Toronto Raptors set to enter, not Sandman, but something they have done (laughs) never, the finals. The finals, someone asking, what is the other final? 
if the Golden State Warriors and the Toronto Raptors are playing in one final, who's playing in the other final? The whole plural plurality of the whole thing. Toronto police, did I say that right, lazily enough, say no arrests were made in the massive street parties following the historic Raptors Eastern Conference championship victory late Saturday night. The Raptors clinched the series against the Milwaukee Bucks with the 194 win. Tens of thousands, as you can imagine, of fans took to the streets to celebrate. Crowds swarmed streets outside Scotia Bank Arena, including York and Front Streets. Actual Kevin Garnett clap uh, clip because it, it is amazing. Anything's possible. Anything's possible. <laughs> <laughs> After the Boston Celtics won the championship a few years ago, Winnipegger Carter Chen was in the house. Joins us from Toronto now. Carter, are you still on cloud nine, man? I am on cloud nine. I survived the greatest Raptors game in history, and it was. A blast. Um, you know, it, it just takes me back to seeing the first Toronto Raptors game in Winnipeg Arena, the Naismith Cup versus the Grizzlies, and to see them in the finals now, it's like a dream come true for for me. It was, it's awesome, so I can't believe it. I know you're a gigantic Jets fan as well, so talk about how this compares. I know the Jets didn't reach their ultimate goal this season or last, but uh, quite the playoff run last year. Can you can you draw some parallels? Yeah, no, uh, definitely the the hype level is just as there too. Like I'm just as equally as bigger as a Jets fan uh, as you know with the with the Raptors. Um, some parallels over. I'm still rocking the big heads. I usually bring like a lining Wheeler and Shifley big head into the playoff games. And uh, for this, I traveled with a Kawhi Leonard big head. <laughs> I uh, had to f- just snuggle him in into the overhead compartment. And yeah, people were asking to take pictures with it. And, and uh, yeah, I've met lots of new people. Yeah. I had amazing seats. I was about uh, row 15 and met, met up with Cabby. I saw Drake. I saw, Super fan Nav, Leo Routon, the whole crew. It was amazing. You talk about uh, just your love of the Jets and then being a Raptors fan. Is it hard to be a Raptors fan in Winnipeg? I have to admit, I don't know many of you. No, there's there's actually a good community of Raptors fans in Winnipeg. Definitely a basketball Manitoba community uh, comes together. And, um, yeah, we all support the Raptors and and, you know, watching viewing parties together too, right? I like to go view at the Shark Club for the Raptors game. So, no, there is a good a good amount of uh, crowd support uh, for the Raptors. Um, 
and you know what? It's Canada's team. We, the, the, Toronto is the only uh, basketball, uh, you know, team that we have. So you know, it's it's Canada's team. Like it's, it's gotta give them love. How long have you been a Raptors fan? Have you been with them since the start? Since Mighty Mouse Damon Stoudemire was in the fold? Yeah, my nineteen ninety five Winnipeg Arena Naismith Cup. My when I was twelve years old, my dad took me and uh, yeah, see him. See them there at that time, um, and yet yeah, traveled throughout all over the years to go view view them. Um, you know, flying in from Winnipeg over, and then also driving down to uh, Minneapolis. I always did that trip too, see them against the Timberwolves. So, uh, yeah, just a huge fan. I just love, I just love sports. It's the best. <laughs> Carter, we're going to talk to uh, Dr. Grant Pierce in about an hour's time to talk about an event we've got going on Wednesday night in support of youth in our community, and it, and it is focused around basketball. Why do you think basketball becomes such a popular sport in our country and around the world? You know what? Basketball is just it's it's just it's easily access, accessible sport. All you need is shoes and a ball and a rim, and there's there's courts everywhere and it just brings you know everyone together like anyone can play at all age groups and um, if you watch a game live it's just action-packed like I just who doesn't love watching a good alley-oop dunk in a 360 right like just the athleticism is just crazy right now and uh, yeah it's it's good down in the grass grassroots of schools community centers um, yeah it's expanding if you and shows and the Canadian content, the players that are com- coming up, and yeah, hoops are hard. I I can't wait to where they're. We're gonna have some some a lot of uh, D one college players that are originally from Winnipeg. They're gonna be playing in this game, so I can't wait for it. We're gonna have bomber tickets to give away in just two minutes time. But Carter, you've been a fan of the Raptors for over twenty years. Was it starting to feel like is this team ever gonna get into the final? Oh man, yeah, no, always think yeah, of a curse and you know toronto sports definitely has had bad luck in in the past but i totally separate them from the Leafs. people are like why can't you cheer for the raptors are you a Leafs fan too like no no it's totally separate so they're on their own course of uh, destiny and i think they have a really good shot at beating the warriors carter chen thanks for spending some time with us this morning and uh look forward to catching up with you face to face on wednesday night at hoops from the heart can't wait, can't wait, Greg. Take care. You guys have an awesome day. Thank you. Thanks, Carter. And congratulations. That's a big deal mm-hmm. for Raptors fans. <laughs> and I think that uh, that throng is growing by the by the day as the Raptors will face the Warriors in the NBA Finals, as they call it. And, of course, uh, tonight, the uh, Stanley Cup playoffs, the Stanley Cup Finals. The North American Ice Hockey League Championship. Boston Bruins, St. Louis. I forgot Blues. it was they even have, happening, to I be know, honest They haven't played a hockey game in six days. I have no idea what the NHL was thinking. The CFL back in action on Friday night as the Bombers kick off their season. Their only home game of the preseason takes place. Edmonton in town Friday night. Brett, do we have some tickets? We do have tickets to give away, and I believe you have a question to ask our listeners. One of the most prized uh, free agent signings from the Winnipeg Blue Bombers over the offseason was that of Willie Jefferson, who came over from the Saskatchewan Rough Riders. What number, what jersey number 
will Willie Jefferson wear for the Blue Bombers? Call us at 204-780-6868, 204-780-6868. And with Carter's excitement, hearing him talking about the alley-oop dunks, mm-hmm. that, that, that harkens back a memory for me, and I'm wearing one of my Winnipeg Thunder hats right now, and I still remember the home opener at the old barn. The Winnipeg Thunder were taking on the Dayton Wings, mm-hmm. and point guard Kelvin Upshaw, he's coming up uh, the left side, and he fires an alley or pass for an alley-oop dunk. And I can't remember the guy who caught the ball, but he threw it down. J.J. Ubex! wasn't J.J. Ubex. I don't think he was actually with the team yet. Um, I was trying, but man. He, yeah, well, I, I, he's always the guy. I, I bumped into somebody, I think, at Skinner's. He said, the Winnipeg Thunder, J.J. Ubex! I think it's that. I think it's that. It's the great name. But, uh, yeah, he, he could shoot threes from half court. But, yeah, I still remember that alley-oop clear as day. And it was electrifying. So I get what he's talking about with the athleticism in basketball. I love the aerial antics that get happening. I do think it's a game you have to see in person, though. Like Until you do, then you're like, whoa, okay. Especially if you can get good down low and you see the height that they get and that kind of thing. And then you're really, really, really wowed. Brendan's hoping you'll leave uh, him his uh, that Winnipeg Thunder hat in your will, (laughs) by the way. You noticed that on Saturday. (laughs) I like how he thinks you need to plan your will. Well, you know he's got gray in his beard, right? Are you dying? Are you dying, (laughs) We are two days, nine hours, 22 minutes, and 10 seconds. Is there a clock somewhere you're reading off? Okay. I thought you had just done the math. SBRC.ca forward slash hoops forward slash. It's hoops from the heart. The 11th. Annual Dr. Grant Pierce is here, one of the founders of this fine event. And Dr. Pierce, it's our 11th and final Hoops from the Heart. Uh, shall we say mission accomplished? Well, no, there's still lots to be done. I think inner city kids need help all the time, but uh, we've certainly uh, done a little bit to help them out, and we're looking forward to the final big event. Tell us all about it and uh, tell us what will be happening on Wednesday night at the University of Winnipeg. We have two games. Uh, men's game starts at 6.15 and it features uh, a combined University of Manitoba, University of Winnipeg team against an all-star team. This year we have more pros on that all-star team than we've ever had. We've got four or five uh, players there who play pro ball in Europe or all over the place. And then that falls with, a uh, again, a women's game. And this year we're doing the same kind of uh, uh, format in which we play a combined U of W, University of Manitoba uh, women's team against an all-star team. What do you think that says about the fact that you have four, you said four of players on the all-star team that are playing pro? Like that's a big difference to say perhaps when you first started, right? And where we've come as a basketball community? Oh, no question. And and you were talking earlier in the show about the Raptors and, you know, uh, Vince Carter and all the success they've had in Toronto has spurred the enthusiasm about basketball. And even here in Winnipeg, we've got a lot better players and more excitement about the game. Why is it the last event? <clears throat> Beg your pardon? Why is it the last Hoops from the Heart? Well, uh, maybe it isn't. Uh, if Greg uh, gets his uh, you <laughs> know, energy levels on? up, yeah. <laughs> maybe, <laughs> oh, it's maybe. now on me. <laughs> <laughs> maybe it won't be. 
Yeah. And well, then, the, the the goal from the get go was to to bring inner city youth and to first of all, in my mind, show them a university, the inside of a university, and secondly, to see people that look like them playing basketball, achieving something at a high level, and let the kids know that anything is possible. And then on the grassroots level, we'd hand them a basketball, feed them a meal, a T-shirt, and they get to meet and shake hands and get autographs from these individuals, and hopefully inspire them to think about what is possible. And then on the financial side, we had uh, we had a lofty goal, and here we are. Yeah, I just explained the basketball part, but really the important part is the kids. It's 150 inner-city kids every year, so we've we've touched, I think, over 1,000 inner-city kids. We've given them a basketball. There's a lot of, there's 1,000 basketballs that are bouncing around this city, so maybe that's one reason, too, why uh, basketball is getting better here, but... It's, it's about giving underprivileged kids an opportunity, an opportunity to see that they can have a good time, that they can get some uh, bling as well, a shirt and a basketball to take home. And they get excited about that. And uh, it's, a, it's a lot of fun for us, too. Taking that basketball home, how many of those you mentioned just the, the, the goal to get them playing is as well. What do they what do they say to you when they're there watching something? Because I imagine for some it might be a game, maybe they weren't into it or they hadn't seen it in that way before. Or when you see something live, we always talk about the difference that makes for folks too. It does to some of the kids uh, and to others. It's just it's just uh, the excitement of the night. I remember the first time or second time we did this. And the feedback we got is one of the little kids, she must have been about five years old, went home and she slept with the basketball. Mm. She put it right beside her pillow and she slept with it. So it gives you an idea of how important it is and how unique it is for them. I mean, these kids usually don't get too much. So this is an exciting time for them. Especially going into a place like the Duckworth Center as well. It's such a premium facility, especially for basketball. I've had the pleasure of playing basketball there, uh, not in an, as an exciting an environment. All the bleachers were put away because no one wanted to go watch my high school team play in a spring league uh, because we were just trying to stay in shape. But I would imagine for the kids to go in when all the bleachers are pulled out, uh, it's super exciting. Oh, yeah, no question. And uh, they have a chance at halftime of the first game. They come down and shoot the ball around, and they play little uh, little hoops down there, and that's exciting for them too. Uh, so it's it's just a special night for them. It's a night that I understand from Youth Alliance, who organizes this with us, that that uh, they look forward to it every year. So uh, the whole idea was also to provide and to create a scholarship for an inner city youth to attend university with a little bit of help from this organization. And over the last 10 years, we've managed to go from just a few hundred bucks in, in the in profit every year to donate to either St. Boniface Hospital Foundation for Cardiac Research or to other worthy causes, but uh, kind of going to reach a little bit of a milestone this year. You're so modest. Just share the number. <laughs> Well, we're pretty excited. I mean, this is, you, you have to remember, this started as a very small little operation. We didn't have too many kids coming, and it's grown and grown to the 150 kids every year. Uh, maybe about five years ago, you came in and decided that we should have a, uh, uh, a scholarship and, and crank it up and do something that's long-lasting, and, and we've done that. So we now have about, we should have, I hope, at the end of this year, $20,000 at the University of Winnipeg. 
$20,000 at the University of Manitoba for an endowment to support an inner city uh, kid to go to school at U of W or at U of M and play basketball for them. So again, it's giving them an opportunity, not just one night, but it gives an opportunity to go beyond what their normal um, hopes and aspirations are and uh, look to something bigger. I know when I went to school, similar to my older son when when he went to university and he said, you know, Dad, I'm not here for the school. I'm here for the basketball, which wasn't exactly what a dad wanted to hear. (laughs) But it does give you an idea of, hey, if we can get them to school, whatever the reason. Who cares why they go if if that's what keeps them there, right? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So lots of uh, sponsors to give a shout out to uh, our food sponsors, uh, Pratt's Wholesale. We've got Boston Pizza with some pizza for the kids. Our friends at Clay Oven are going to bring some butter chicken, feed the kids. And you've got a whole other list there, Grant. RBC, we spoke to Carter Chen from uh, Toronto earlier on. He's going to be there tomorrow night. The Manitoba Association of Basketball, Home Run Sports, uh, Aura, Vicar Chevrolet, IG Wealth Management, KPMG, St. Boniface Eye Care Center, St. SunWest, Dunright Province of Manitoba, City of Winnipeg, all sorts of different. Uh, I think I missed a couple there, Doctor. And, and we're and we're looking for more, and we're looking for more because this really goes to a great cause. And uh, if you you know you go to the game, you can win a uh, Steve Nash Hall of Famer, mm-hmm. NBA Hall of Famer, Steve Nash autographed Phoenix Suns jersey. Wow. Amazing. That's exciting. So how, how, just very quickly then, Greg, if we want to go to the event, what do we do? Just come on down. It starts at uh, 6 o'clock. Tip-off is at 6.15, University of Manitoba, University of Winnipeg versus the Manitoba All-Stars. Keith McCullough, our old friend, will be providing the play-by-play oh, on nice. court, court side. Did you play, Greg? Did I play? Basketball? <laughs> Very poorly. He, he is a player. Well, yeah, once upon a time. <laughs> and it wasn't basketball either. So come on down and uh, and uh, join us. We'd love to see you down there. It's an incredible event and uh, very fortunate to have had the opportunity to uh, work with Dr. Pierce and, and the rest of our board on this for the last five or six years. Dr. Grant Pierce joining us live on 680 CJOB. More information at the St. Boniface Hospital Research Foundation website, sbrc.ca slash hoops. It's this way. Wednesday, May 29th, Hoops from the Heart, University of Winnipeg's Duckworth Centre. First game tips off at 6.15. Yeah, four days after Vandals decapitated a statue outside this church, its head has finally been returned, which is great news for the folks who attend that church and just live in that community, knowing that at least part of that statue will be restored. But we want to hear how it happened and, and how the head was returned. And so we're joined now by Right Reverend Monsignor Michael Biachok, who's with the Ukrainian Catholic Metropolitan Cathedral of St. Vladimir and Olga on McGregor Street. Good morning. Good morning. So how did this happen? How did the head come back? Well, it came back uh, quite uh, surprisingly. We... Uh, we're doing some work around the church, and uh, somebody came running and told me there's a there's a package uh, um, at the front entrance of the church, and so we went, and sure enough, we un- took the package apart, and there there the head was once again returned. So we're 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 grateful to uh, the ones that returned them, and like I mentioned, uh, we're not holding anything against those that decapitated, but. Uh, 
let the police look after that, but we're not going to go into that area. That must have made yesterday's services extra special, Monsignor Michael. It did. It did. We had the uh, uh, statue in the church, and I mean the the head, and we're going to uh, make arrangements now with um, low uh, gallery. Um, David, he uh, phoned and he said he would do everything to uh, help restore it back into its original, into what it would look like. Was there some damage then? No, uh, surprisingly, uh, no damage was done to the uh, to the head fixture, um, except where they cut it. I think there's a little damage there, but that that can be repaired. But uh, we're we're immensely pleased that we got the head back, and that's all we got to say. <laughs> and what? But not all of the missing pieces were returned. No, no, the uh, the handle and the the cross are not, have not been returned. But uh, those are things that we can probably uh, get um, uh, re, 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 redone and, um, and and placed back in there. Uh, the uh, uh, low gallery said that they could do that for us. Was there any note left in the bag, or do you ever any hint of where where it spent the past few days before it was returned Saturday, or did it just you know show up without warning? No, it just showed up without warning, and the the uh, the police took the bags. Uh, they were quite respectable bags, as I might say, that they were the the head was in, and they they took that for fingerprinting or something. Uh, but uh, we we hope it's the end of it, and uh, whatever the police do with it, that's their that's their responsibility. But as far as the church is concerned, we're grateful that it was returned, and we can re restrict it and uh, and uh, go ahead with our with our programs. Yeah. And what, sorry, what's the name of the gallery once again that's going to be helping you out? What are they called? Uh, Low, I think it's L O C H Gallery. They're on St. Mary's. Okay. Well, David uh, David Low, he's uh, the the manager of the gallery. Yeah, David uh, the Lock Galleries. They've got some incredible bronze uh, statue yeah. in the uh, Exchange District, right outside of uh, their location there, including a horse, if if I'm not mistaken. Uh, this is exciting news, Monsignor Michael. This. This uh, story uh, probably captured attention uh, far beyond Winnipeg and Manitoba. Did you hear from media outside of our province? Uh, not, not as of yet. But uh, this uh, this story went all over Europe and uh, Ukraine and uh, and all through Canada and so forth. So everybody was quite interested, and uh, I think they'll be interested to hear that uh, the head has been returned, and now we're going to make every effort to restore it to its rightful place. Right Reverend Monsignor Michael Boyachuk joining us live on 680 CJOB. Monsignor Michael, thank you very much for this. Thank you very much. Joining us from the Ukrainian Catholic Metropolitan Cathedral of St. Vladimir and Olga on McGregor Street. Mackling, McGarry, and McNabb have just posted an assortment of videos on the 680 CJOB Instagram story because Mastermind Toys is here. Mastermind Toy expert Katrina Feifel joining us live on 680 CJOB. And Katrina, you just revealed to me you were doing quite the whirlwind tour uh, across Canada. You're from Toronto, but yep. where, where is your, your tour taking you? Um, all the way across. We have stores across the country. So I'm out west for a bit, and then we're out east. But yeah, across country, uh, all major cities where we have stores. We we have 68 stores now, so it's a lot. Uh, it's a lot of travel. A Canada wide <laughs> tour with toys. How does yes. someone get this job? What is the? Uh, I got pretty lucky. Uh, I also had to play with a lot of toys. There was some hard work involved there. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, toy testing. It's a yeah. It's a pretty sweet gig. I think so. <laughs> 
got it. He did it. Oh, oh my goodness, he did get it. Wow. So what's Greg holding there? Okay, so Greg is holding, tr- it's called True Balance, and it's like a, a balance toy where you're holding uh, the handle at the bottom, and then there's a bunch of wooden discs, and they're stacked, but only attached at one point each disc, and you have to kind of swirl them and try and balance them so that they stack perfectly one on top of each other without them, like, uh, getting all crazy and leaning one way and... Um, and yeah, exactly. I like feel that. like this is something you should pitch to the producers of Survivor, which is, of course, still <laughs> one of the most popular television shows in Canada that are airing on global TV, because this is the kind of thing that they make them do in immunity challenges. And this would make for great. Tra- oh, I got it. I got it way faster than you, Greg. <laughs> mm-hmm. Everybody is. <laughs> <laughs> but it's like, so how do you decide as, as you put items and different products in your store, like what you think is actually going to be? A good seller, or what? What the it toy will be? Uh, I mean, the the it toy is a little bit different than what we actually want to mm-hmm. like. How we decide? So, like with True Balance, we, we all play with them. Like that's we're joking. Like we we really do test the toys, and it's uh, it's mostly about play value. Like, is the child gonna pick this up and play with it once and put it away, even if it is an it toy? Um, or are they going to like Greg's doing play Greg with hasn't it spoken in like over eight and over and it's something they'll play with again. It'll last. Um, it's yeah, it's play value is what we look for mostly. This oh. one's worth about a thousand bucks then because <laughs> I don't ever want to put this thing down. This is awesome. Yeah. What, what else did you bring in for us? So we also, I, I, what I like about the next toy that you brought in is that I think a lot of adults are doing the axe throwing now. Yes. Yeah, so you don't axe really throwing. want to bring that to the backyard, though. No. So yeah, axe throwing is a trend that actually started in Toronto and in, in Canada, which is pretty cool. And now it's this global trend. Um, but up until now, obviously kids can't really get involved because it's, it, they're Wouldn't throwing axes. Yeah. But now we have Zax, which is a soft foam throwing axe which sticks to surfaces using suction cups. So you can throw it at a wall or a window. You can use it in your basement, outside, inside, and you just... That was great throwing one just now. um, The way that you throw it is exactly like you would throw the real axe. So it really does feel like you're axe throwing, except you can do it anywhere. And um, is that just experience? There we go. It, it went off his head and it didn't hurt. So you're not going to get hurt in yeah, this one. Yeah, it's very either. soft. It's fun. You like <laughs> literally play with. We have tournaments in the office all, every day. <laughs> no, this is and the fact that we're playing with these toys. I would imagine kids are the same. And there was it was long. It was thought for many years toys would go away because video games. But I see more and more toy stores popping up all over the place. Do you know what's driven this resurgence for genuine toys? Um, well, I mean, it's, I think it's not that toys were going to go away. They've just changed. And there was a big, um, growth in like uh, the tech toy section. So, um, companies started coming out with like toys that you use with your iPad. So kids are getting that like digital experience they want as well as like a tactile experience. So toys kind of have adjusted, uh, to kind of adapt to the tech world. Um, as well as like you're saying, there's... As so many toys began involving screens, now parents are looking for completely screen-free toys. Or, or so battery-free. Exactly. Like, I just don't, not like, you electronic get that, at You get that all. gift in the kid's birthday party, and you, A, it only lasts for so long, and you can't use it, and like, you don't have the right batteries for it, and it becomes a whole big thing where all, the original toy could exactly. go on forever. So we try to have well. that balance between 
like the toys you can use with your screen that actually will take that digital play and, and turn it into a learning experience where you can use like actual physical toys with your screen or completely screen free like the axes and like this true balance toy here it's like you guys are having so much fun with it it has no tech whatsoever you know and like you say it's tactile it has no color it's just a piece of wood really right <laughs> and that's the other thing right there, there, you don't have to worry about bpa or any of the other nothing it's uh, so simple troublesome uh, chemicals that can sometimes show up in a toy this is this is wood and maybe a little bit of varnish and yeah. some metal inside right that's yeah. that's the extent of it and yet so this much this one's fun. broken by the way <laughs> sure <laughs> 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 come on now well there's something and even though that this particular toy the true balance is uh, it can be I suppose frustrating if you don't get it, but I I find toys like this like I I, I picked it up and just started spinning it, and you yeah. said, well, that's not what you're supposed to do with it. But I find that relaxing. Like I used to sit at home with a slinky in my hand yeah. or a fidget spinner, and I would just whatever I was watching TV, I I just would would fidget with these things, and this is the kind of thing exactly. that helps to calm me down. It helps to keep me focused on what I'm trying to do. Mm-hmm. Keeps your hands busy so you can focus your mind. Exactly. You yeah. know what I'm thinking with this? It's like the road trip. When you get on a road trip with the kids, <laughs> like you just chuck that in the back. I couldn't imagine trying to yeah. do this I mean, it'd be harder. Yeah. Yeah. That's be a challenge. So much harder the car be a challenge. challenge. You could say like you have to get Try it 10 that. times before we're, get, we're stopping. Yeah. That's a great idea. <laughs> no well, one's allowed to speak. <laughs> and with toys like this, these challenging toys, uh, I see a lot more of that kind of stuff now. A lot of when you go into a toy store, you see all kinds of puzzles, whether and not just like jigsaw puzzles, but uh, you know puzzles where you have yeah, to logic pull puzzles. things apart. Like, is that a growing kind of thing where kids are they like to be challenged with their toys? Yeah, um, the toys you get where there's like there's a different challenges where they start off easy and then they get harder as you go. Like uh, the rush hour game that's been around for ages is a perfect example of that. It's uh, you set it up and you have to figure it out, and then once you get past that card. Then you're on to the next card and kids love the satisfaction of like, okay, I'm done all the beginner challenges and next I'm going to move on to the medium challenges. And they don't know they're like growing their logic and problem solving skills while they're playing. So, yeah, it's great. Tricking them into learning. Exactly. Same time. <laughs> what is it in this Happy Meal okay. type uh, container this is here? super fun. This is like the newest, hottest collectible. I'm going to pass those around. Okay. They are it's called Lucky Fortune. They're fortune cookies, and they're kind of like a blind grab, and you get your little plastic cookie, and you break it open just like a regular fortune. Okay. You're going to break it open, and then on the inside, you get, and you don't know which one you're going to get, but you get this really cute little bracelet with a charm on it, and you get a, a fortune, like in a real fortune cookie, and some lucky numbers. Oh, neat. Mm-hmm. But what's your say? Uh, mine says spread love and laughter. That's very nice positive. Fait plus de oh, that's uh, en français. <laughs> Do more of what makes you shine. Oh, I like that. And number thirteen's on here. That's good. That's one of my faves in terms of the favorite numbers. Did you open your fortune, Brett? Yeah, mine says be your own kind of star. <laughs> that's nice. <laughs> These you are get encouraging. Yeah, mm-hmm. and are... the bracelets are actually really cute. So hey. kids are collecting these, looking for certain rare bracelets. There's like gold dipped ones. 
trying to get a certain like I I have yet to find I really want the pineapple one I've yet to find one so if you get one let me know <laughs> <laughs> but yeah they're actually they're really cute bracelets kids kids are like wearing what, them what kind of age group are you hitting with this one do you know uh probably be like five or six and up but uh, could go up to like 12 13 because just the style of the bracelet it's not kitty it doesn't look like no it's super cute and the message juvenile. is nice for the kids to like read out loud and think mm-hmm. about it and and just that whole the trend with um collecting as well as like a surprise and reveal like unwrapping to find something mm-hmm. is, is definitely still hot are canadians uh, good at inventing toys i know we've been really good in the board game sector in terms of getting people engaged trivial pursuit being the number one example of that yep. but uh are, are we good at inventing games as well we've got canadian created stuff here for sure, yeah. Um, I, actually, a lot of a lot of hot toys uh, are come from a Canadian company called Spin Master in Toronto, like just nearby us, and they have they have hits every year. I don't know if you remember the Hatchimal. Yes, <laughs> yeah, yes. that's a Canadian company. Um, so yeah, definitely not not very bad at inventing toys. That was a hit. <laughs> Well, Katrina Feifel, thank you so much for stopping by to see us to tell us about Mastermind Toys. What's Mastermind's website? It's mastermindtoys.com. How many locations now in Winnipeg? I can think of two off the top of my head. There, it's just the two in Winnipeg right now, yep. And then everything's online as well. And if two- you head in store, um, we have all these toys there, and they'll actually gift wrap for free for I you. I was just, that was <laughs> what I was going to throw in, the gift wrapping. because oh, then nice. I, And you look like a genius. You're like, I'm just going <laughs> to hand over this perfectly wrapped present. What do you got there? Real quick, this is a kids trivia game? Is yeah, that it's what called it is? The Game of Wolf. Okay, do you oh. want Star Wars or you want uh, Schwarzenegger uh, one-liners? <laughs> uh, Schwarzenegger one-liners. Okay, you have to say which movie. Okay. Uh, I'll be back. Terminator. Uh, it's not a tumor. Kindergarten Cop. Cop. Get to the chopper. Predator. You're fired. Oh, uh, <laughs> I have no idea. I don't know. I don't You're know fired. that one. Was, Donald The Trump. Apprentice. True, true lies. <laughs> oh, shoot. That Remember, was... Sully, when I promised to kill you last... I lied. Commando. Correct. Look at that. Wow. Five for five. Well, I, I didn't I didn't get true lies. Uh, yeah, you did. I remember that movie for a different reason. <laughs> five five for Jamie five. Jamie Lee Curtis? Yeah. Yes. Sorry. <laughs> Good film, though. All right, but, five. Katrina, thank you so much for this. This is, you made Thanks our week. Thanks for having me. Uh, great start to the week getting to play with toys. Our job is hard. Hey, thanks for listening to The Start Podcast. We are available on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, wherever you find your favorite podcasts. Subscribe now and never miss an episode. And if you like what you hear, rate the show, tell us what you think, and hey, even tell a friend about the podcast. Be sure to follow us on Twitter and Instagram. Greg is at GMACWPG. That's G-M-A-C-K-W-P-G. I am at Brett McGarry, B-R-E-T-T-M-E-G-A-R-R-Y. And Loren on Twitter is at McNab on Global and on Instagram at McNab on C-J-O-B. Talk soon.